Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where we discuss matters affecting the rural sector. The Country Land and Business Association is the membership organisation that provides support and expert advice to landowners and rural businesses across England and Wales. a lot recently about tree planting. The UK government is very keen to see much more woodland planted across the country as one of the ways to tackle climate change. But creating woodland is essentially an irreversible decision, so landowners need to think carefully about if and where they do it. We'll be discussing woodland creation with CLA's Senior Land Use Policy Advisor, Graham Clark, who leads on forestry and woodland policy for the CLA. Graham, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you uh, joining us uh, today. And uh, before we start talking about trees, tell us a bit about your background and your role within the CLA. Well, morning, Alad. Well, I've worked with the CLA for about 13 years now. I'm a rural surveyor. I have a background and I've been... Uh, doing or leading on woodland and forestry policy for a couple of years. Yeah, so I've got a a fairly sort of general rural background. Uh, I was a regional advisor with the CLA in the southwest region for 10 years or so, covering a whole range of of different land management issues uh, that members encounter. And now I'm specialising in uh, woodland and forestry. And given your uh, considerable experience uh, within the sector, would you say that there's more talk about tree planting now than has been for many years, given the situation and targets around climate change, is suddenly planting trees something that's being talked about a lot more nowadays? Oh, very much so. Very much so. This is probably the most intense period of change in, in the woodland and forestry sector for for decades. The attention that's being placed on it uh, by government is uh, and the, what's driving that is really climate change and the role of, of trees in tackling climate change and that's driving a lot of government policy now not just in, in forestry but yes there's intense activity lots of the things surrounding the growing of trees the policy surrounding it the regulation of where it can take place the intent incentives to encourage people to do it, all of that is is changing because of the increased importance that government have placed on having more trees and managing the trees that we have more actively. So yes, very much so. Um, trees are, are very, uh, very current. And in order to realise that the many targets there are to, to increase the, the amount of um, tree planting across the UK, there needs to be buy-in from landowners. Um, why would a landowner decide to plant trees on their land? What benefits can it bring? Well, there's, you know, broadly, there's financial reasons why you'd want to do it. There's there's non-financial reasons. You can get some quite attractive grants nowadays. Uh, they're, they're far better than they were. And there's potential income from trees and over the long term from, from timber and wood fuel, possibly carbon now uh, as well, which wasn't there before. There's also more uh, non-financial reasons like uh, shelter and shade screening that can be achieved on the farm or the estate from planting trees. You can get better livestock performance. Not everybody monitors that to the extent where they they could, Um, but lots of studies have shown that you can get better livestock performance if you have uh, better shelter. You can improve the landscape biodiversity of of your holding, create and link habitats, get some shooting cover if you do some shooting, but also the management of 
soil and air and water and flood management on, on the land can be improved if you consider planting trees in, in the right places. So mid-slope planting might help to slow the flow of surface water and and help manage flooding further down down the slope. Riparian planting can buffer uh, rivers from nutrient runoff and eroded soil. You can stabilize river banks and, and slopes as well. You can filter, uh, capture runoff from livestock yards and filter the ammonia uh, that emanates from, from farmyards from uh, judiciously placed woodland. You know, generally speaking, you can, you, perhaps make more efficient use of the less productive areas of the farm. And there's, there's areas of less productive areas on, on all holdings, you know, heavy areas, steep areas, more exposed areas, awkward field corners, field edges, that sort of thing. Those are those are areas where you might want to consider planting trees. So there's, there's, there's lots of, of reasons, all of which would, would maybe actually enhance the long-term capital value of of the holding so well worth considering so there's a, a, there are multiple benefits to consider tree planting but in terms of um, financial assistance to help establish a uh, 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 woodland on the farm are there any grants available now yes there are um now that varies according to where you are um now in england uh, we've got a new scheme that Forestry Commission run now called the England Woodland Creation Offer, and that's, uh, you know, generally speaking, a, a more attractive scheme than than previously. Um, that pays 100% of the uh, capital costs of the trees and the protection, up to uh, a ceiling of eight and a half thousand pounds per hectare. You can get supplements on top of that if the siting and design of the woodland will deliver specified public benefits like water quality or biodiversity or public access. Once you've planted the trees, the grant will also give you an annual maintenance payment of £300 per hectare per year for 10 years. You can also uh, claim the, the basic payment scheme, retain that for as long as the basic payment scheme is in place. You can retain that on the land under that uh, woodland creation scheme. There's another scheme in, if you're in Wales, there's Glastier. Woodland scheme provides grants of up to £4,500 for uh, different types of woodlands uh, per hectare. They also do a 12 years of maintenance payment and a fencing grant and an agricultural income foregone payment uh, of £350 per hectare. So either England or Wales, yes, there's grants available and you know it's just up to you know the individual landowner to, to look at how that might fit into their operations and what they could get for it relative to, to what they're getting now. Uh, from its its current use. Uh, incidentally, in Wales, there's another scheme which is due to be launched this year, a new woodland creation scheme to replace Glastier, but uh, we don't have details of that yet. And just finally, if you know the the government schemes, which you know can be quite involved, can be a bit bureaucratic, there is simpler one uh, offered through the Woodland Trust in England and Wales called More Woods, and that's a broadleaf scheme only. Um, and that's I, there's no upper limit, but it's ideal for sort of smaller schemes where you, you might not want the, uh, to go through the process of uh, the government ones. And their Woodland Trust advisors can help you design a wood and agree a species mix and supply the trees and pay up to 75% of the costs. So that's well worth um, 
be on the mind as well. So there are a number of potential um, sources of, of funding to help landowners to, to establish um, some woodland on their farms. But and, and coming back to the earlier point you made about the benefits of planting trees, and there are some financial benefits, of course, and there's some non-financial benefits. Looking at the financial benefits for a moment, um, these trees you plant will generate an income over time. So that there, there, there is that financial driver as well. Yes, there is. Um, I mean, trees obviously take many years to grow into what would be sellable timber. Uh, so for softwoods, you're you know, 35, 40 years before, before they're sellable uh, as saw logs and, and perhaps twice that for hardwoods. But uh, having said that, there's there's the initial grant income that covers the costs. There's the annual maintenance payment for the first 10 years um, through the grants that you get to establish the woodland. And then there's timber income for the, the longer term, but wood fuel income through thinnings from, broadly speaking, year 15 or 20. There's also, uh, as I mentioned earlier, potentially some improved livestock performance um, if your new woodland produces better shelter for your livestock. But the other thing which has come onto the scene in recent years is carbon income, uh, where you can sell the carbon credits that are accrued through planting new woodland. Um, you can sell those to companies or uh, organisations that want to offset their emissions or boost their green credentials. You can sell carbon credits and get income through that. So that's well worth doing as well. Country Land and Business Association have been safeguarding the interests of landowners and rural businesses since 1907. We lobby government continually on behalf of our members to give them the security and certainty to invest in their land and business. Our in-house professional advisory team offers members independent and impartial advice on every aspect of land ownership and rural business management to ensure the positive development of the rural economy. your take on the, the carbon market? We've heard, as, as you've outlined there, some of the benefits of selling carbon credits, but are there any risks that, that landowners should be aware of around entering the carbon market? Well, it is um, it is quite a new market. Um, I'd, I'd say to, to anyone who is going into it to, to get some advice um, at the beginning, probably at smaller scales, maybe doesn't stack up so if you're a lot depends on the carbon price currently the carbon price has been for woodland carbon in the uk has been around the 20 pounds per ton of co2 equivalent sequestered uh, mark now that's predicted to rise so a lot you know the income that you could generate generate depends on what that uh, carbon price would be you know but currently it's probably for you know larger wood new woodlands of of larger size say 10 hectares and above where uh, it starts to stack up financially i mean the other thing to to remember is you know when you're creating a woodland is it's a permanent land use change so uh, it's essentially a, a an irreversible decision because there's a presumption that woodland once it's woodland it will be retained as as woodland there'll be a restocking obligation if you if you harvest and cut the trees down uh, so that needs to be factored into any landowners thinking about whether or not they create new new woodland 
And it comes back to your earlier point about where do you decide to plant, isn't it? And as you mentioned, every holding has areas or every farm has patches of land which is which are less productive, uh, be it on steep slopes or, or, or heavy ground. Or um, so, so when when a landowner looks at, the, at, at their farm, at their holding, and, and is looking potentially at future land uses for, for their business, um, how would you start that process of identifying? Okay, where do I want to plant my trees? What are the factors you need to consider? And even down to practicalities of access when it comes to harvesting, although harvesting might be 50 years away, um, do you need to still sort of weigh up those points when you're, when you're thinking about, right, what am I going to plant and where? It really depends on, you know, and individual landowners and land holdings will present different constraints and opportunities. It really depends on what the objectives of, of the, the landowner are and what the, the nature of the land, what opportunities are presented for tree planting. There may be, there may be few of them on, on some holdings. On, on others, there, there may be um, more of them. And that depends on sometimes the, the family circumstances of the, of the farmer too. But generally speaking, you, would, you wouldn't necessarily want to plant up uh, good areas of productive agricultural land. You'd want to retain those in in agricultural production. You get an annual income in markets that you that you know and you understand. It might be an option though on the more marginal areas of the farm, like I mentioned earlier on, those heavy areas, exposed areas or awkward, uh, difficult areas to work uh, that you might consider putting the uh, putting trees on them. And you know, I suppose the, the the first stage is to is to look at the take a step back and, and look at where those areas might be on the farm. Work up a, a proposal based on you know the type of type of soil that you have. There's a really useful tool that the Forestry Commission have an online tool called Ecological Site Classification, which helps you decide um, what sort of trees would be suitable for that site. Um, based uh, on the, the soil types and the topography, but also with a view to uh, future resilience of any woodland, given the changing climate that we that we have nowadays. And also, you'd you'd need to look into what constraints there would be uh, in terms of sensitive habitats or uh, things like that. Which to get approval through for a new woodland through the Forestry Commission, you do need to do that. In any case, anyway. So it's there's there's some useful online uh, tools that they have uh, where you can check those constraints out, like you know designated habitats that you might want to avoid, like deep peat or something like that. Do you need any planning consent or approval before you start planting sort of big areas of trees on on your farm? And and would any approval stipulate what type of tree species you should be planting? Yeah, well, you do need approval. It's not planning approval technically um, because the woodland planting woodland creation doesn't fall within the definition of development uh, under the planning acts and it's development that requires planning consent but there is a control a similar sort of measure of control over where we can and can't put woodland and that's done through what's called the environmental impact assessment regulations uh, which is kind of like the planning system for trees and that requires information to be submitted on where the what the proposal is, you know, the land that it's proposed to go on, what size and um, where it's going to go, and it will look at the the existing uh, environmental interest or any designations or sensitive areas. So that's the the means through which uh, there is a, an approvals system that surrounds uh, where we can and can't put uh, trees. That's one thing. The other thing 
is the UK forestry standard is is also uh, applicable here as well as the environmental impact assessment regulations. So the UK FS is a set of best practice uh, guidelines which all grant aided forestry in the UK, which is most of it, has to conform to. So that requires any forestry uh, or woodland creation proposal to uh, have a certain amount of consultation with uh, local stakeholders, statutory consultees, so that the existing environmental interest is is taken taken account of, uh, and that there's adequate consultation with the surrounding area uh, as well. So there is a planning system, if you like, but it's not really called called that. And there's best practice guidelines that apply to forestry proposals in the UK. And that clearly must tie into the grant system that's applicable depending where you are within the UK. Can Is that a lengthy process going through the approvals and getting the grants and timing everything right that you get it at, at the same time? possibly, so you can then go ahead with the scheme? Uh, it can be. It, it, it depends on the how big the proposal is, what risks it presents. You know, it can take a few, you know, broadly speaking, a few months is a sort of rule of, of thumb. It's not something that, neither should it be something that, given that it's a permanent land use change, it shouldn't necessarily be something that is a fairly sort of instant thing because it, it does require not just some planning on the part of the landowner to decide where they would like to to put the woodland you know it needs to take account of the existing environmental interest and what the impact on the of the proposal on, on the, the local area might be so yeah that process does take a few months and uh, the other thing that needs to be factored in from the landowner's point of view is whilst you can apply for grants uh, all year round in England, that is. Although there's a, in Wales, there's a there's a time window that you need to apply to. But you know that that needs to be the, the other thing that needs to be factored in is is the not just the approvals time scale, but the the planting, the seasonality of when you can plant trees, which is the, generally the winter months, and you know the need to ad, advance order your your stock. Uh, the tree stock as well. So, you know, any woodland creation proposal really is you know, has a has a lead-in time of uh, at least a few months. Um, and you know, if it's for larger proposals, it, it may take much longer than that, depending on what risks are presented and and, and issues are thrown up through the the EIA uh, process and and the consultation. So, but uh, yeah, at least a few months, yes. And once the trees are planted and the trees are in the ground, what sort of ongoing management commitments do landowners need to think about? Are there, is there going to be some maintenance to do? You can't just plant the trees and forget them, uh, forget about them for fifty years. Is they're going to need some some care and attention? Uh, yes, they they absolutely will. Once you've planted them that's that's the start of a an ongoing commitment I mean, it's probably fair to say that in the early years the importance of that management is is greater because the tree stock needs to become established so that you get a, a closed canopy um, established woodland which generally takes you know 10 or so years so during that time you'll need to control weeds pests around the the planted trees which will be uh, will have you know some form of protection usually uh, tubes around them uh, but may also be some some fencing around the the area too uh, so weed control and what they call beating up which is replacing the, the failed plants needs to be done deer and gray squirrels 
if they're in the area, which increasingly they, they are generally. Uh, not always, but uh, th those key pests need to be um, controlled as well. Uh, deer and grey squirrels can ruin new woodlands if that issue is not planned for and, and managed when a, when a new woodland is, is being put in. So the early years maintenance is, is really essential to, to get good establishment. But then even after that, there's an ongoing commitment to to thin the wood so that the, the growth can be concentrated onto the, the better quality trees if timber is an objective and some pruning and ongoing pest control deers and deer and squirrel in particular. So yeah, there is an ongoing management commitment to woodland creation as well, which unfortunately doesn't get talked about anywhere near as much in the media as planting uh, planting trees, which, you know, is uh, unfortunate, but uh, there we are. But as you said, the, you know, the, the attention needs to be given, obviously, on the management, and um, that's fundamental for the successful establishment of, of, of the tree um, and, and the woodland. Do you, as a landowner, can you do that all yourself, or would you recommend bringing an advisor or a support contractor on board to help you with that? Uh, you know, some people can do it themselves. I think the process can get quite involved, so I think using an advisor there's plenty of chartered foresters or woodland advisors out there i think it's always good thing to to at least consider getting some some advice uh on you know what sort of woodland to to put and, and where um because not everybody knows uh, all the things involved so i would recommend that people get some advice the actual grants can be applied for in england you know by by individuals you don't have to get a uh, an advisor to do that for you but as i say the process can get a bit involved so uh, it's most people probably would get uh, an advisor to do it in wales for the the glass deer you have to go through a a registered glass deer woodland planner so that's you know worth bearing in, in mind but uh yeah i think just with the, the process involved nowadays many people you know landowners are busy people just like everybody else they they might uh, be, be best to to get an advisor to uh, help them design the woodland proposal in the first place and put it um put a proposal to the forestry commission and then um you know, help them with the, the ongoing management of the woodland thereafter. And as a final question, Graham, what support um, can members of the CLA receive in terms of woodland and forestry? Well, it's uh, we run a, an advisory service for, for our members and that covers the whole range of different land management issues. Um, and we've got advisors in, in the regions who are the first, first point of contact for, for all sorts of things, uh, including woodland and forestry. Um, and then there's specialists at a policy team and uh, which I, I'm one of one of those you know we can help them with uh, you know talking them through the grant process or the approvals process that surrounds uh, woodland and anything to to do with woodland uh, creation or management would would be well placed to to give advice on so yes yeah, well worth the members bearing that in mind and also non-members who who might benefit from the service that the cla gives absolutely it's such a such a support for for members and and prospective members of the cla to know that there is a, a huge amount of um, knowledge and expertise within the organization around tree planting and as from this conversation it's clear that um, tree planting and woodland creation d does present opportunities for landowners for the right tree in the right place 
uh, and uh, with all the grants and government support now is a good time to consider whether there are some less productive areas on the farm on the estate that might benefit from some pre-planting. Uh, Graham Clark, Senior Land Use Policy Advisor of the CLA, thank you ever so much for joining this podcast. It's been fascinating. All the best with your work going forward. Thanks a lot, Al. It's been, uh, enjoyed it. It's been a good chat. So thank you. Great stuff. Thanks. If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, www.cla.org.uk. Thank you for listening, and I hope you can join us again soon. You've been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast, the CLA's weekly podcast released every Friday. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode.